The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. As we begin a Monday, Gary, what's happening? All ready to go. Here. All right. <laughs> What a weekend. I want to play, I'm going to start with uh, this uh, audio cut here. This is Biden's deputy national security advisor. Just listen to what he says here. here right. The harshest is Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib. I'm going to show what she put up on Friday. She said Joe Biden supported the genocide of the Palestinian people. The American people won't forget Biden support a ceasefire now or don't count on us in 2024. Your response? Uh, look, we, we strongly disagree uh, with, with some of that messaging and with some of the terms used to describe this conflict. But what I will say uh, is we know that this is a conflict about which there are strong views uh, on all sides, including in the United States, including, uh, frankly, even uh, within the United States, uh, uh, the Biden administration about. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Inside the Biden administration, there are pro-terrorists. Yeah. There's no other way to look at it, as you nope. said from the beginning. This isn't a this isn't a nuanced situation. No, and, and what's interesting is they keep trying to play it as if it is, and it is binary as binary as you can get. It's one or the other. It's radicals on one side and everybody else on the other. We had said that from the very, very beginning. We said, look, there's a huge uh, uh, inside of the White House, inside the administration, there's a huge group of anti-Semites. Yes. And there is a huge group of people because you can't be on, but you can't sit there and say, oh, no, no, we, we sympathize. Uh, we, we sympathize and Israel needs to back off. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and you see, I mean, whether it's Obama out there, I mean, what? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I keep thinking of uh, I keep thinking of office space whenever I think about uh, 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 o- Obama and the Bobs in there mm. talking about Milton. He's mm. useless. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, take take your stapler and go. Home. He's he's useless. <laughs> oh no, no. I'm sorry. It was wasn't Milton. It was the other guy. Mm-hmm. The uh, the other guy who uh, and tried to commit suicide because he was so upset. No. 
and ended up uh, driving uh, uh, his car and getting hit Mm. and then getting just totally hurt but winning a major, major lawsuit. And so he doesn't have to work at uh, Intertech anymore. Uh, And so he's very, very happy that he got the... uh, (laughs) Yeah. That's the guy who they said was useless because mm. he ended up getting fired. Ah, yeah, okay. So. You know, it's make sure we get it right. Right. It, it's not. You know, it, and and it's not hard at all if you're paying attention. You know, there were there were times in recent years when there were people on the left, and they they talked very clearly. And and you're, you're thinking, well, doesn't everyone else on the left see this anti-Semitism? You know, it could have been a comment or something they wrote on Twitter. And, and you're wondering, where's the outrage from the left on this anti-Semitism? And after October 7th, now we have the answer. Well, I'm reading here, but it, I, I, I want to make this go. We said this from the very, very beginning. And, you know, that and and so when, you know, that that's a Democrat right there. That's Biden's yeah. deputy national uh, advisor, Axios. Right. Yeah. Scoop, Biden's 2024 team roiled by uh, Israel Hamas war. Hmm. Why it matters. They hmm. always do the why it matters. Yeah, yeah. The strike within the Democratic National Committee, which Biden is leaning on for his reelection campaign, reflects larger generational and political divisions among Democrats. Those divisions are chiefly between the older pro-Israel Democrats and the younger progressives who are more sympathetic to the plight of the Palestinians, which means the younger progressives that are pro-cutting off the heads of babies. Yes. That's what's in the DNC. Yes. Understand that. Right. And the young radicals have all, have at least in modern times, have been leading this party for a long time. It's been quite some time. You know, we know that it's the old people that keep getting elected. We, we, we understand the irony there. But they need the young radicals in order to get there. And that's who's leading the party. The radicals right now are in charge of the Democrats. They're the loudest voices. They're the ones... You see on the streets protesting and the ones that the White House is right in lockstep with. I would disagree with part of this next uh, statement. I'll tell you what part you'll probably figure it out in a moment. Some staffers at the DNC feel despondent about the scale and death toll from Israel's response. And one staffer said they're considering resigning, citing Biden's resolute support of Israel. No, he has said that he supports Israel He's trying to get money for Israel, but his behavior of ensuring that funding goes to Iran and the $6 billion hostage negotiation, plus his movement uh, to what he believes is a ceasefire, which would be the humanitarian pause, he is not resolute in his support for Israel. Yeah, to even be remotely described as resolute, then he would have had to have taken action real action, which he could have done from day one. Tens of billions of dollars funding Iran because he decided he didn't he didn't want to play the Trump game. He didn't want to enforce the embargo, and that's something he could have done 
from day one of his presidency, certainly since October 7th, and did not act on that. And then, of course, we we know about the $6 billion that they, they keep trying to make excuses for. That's far from resolute. Saying something is not resolute. Doing something is. Some DNC staffers say they've been rattled by emails and phone calls from Democratic grassroots donors angry about the administration's policy, according to a person familiar with the matter. Remember, this is a liberal publication, Axios. The DNC declined to comment on any discontent among staffers, supporters, or donors. The 2024 cycle promises to be a long, grueling campaign, and the president is making it even harder because of his support, uh, you know, his <laughs> lukewarm support mm-hmm. uh, for Israel, the high-ranking DNC official said on Friday, 51 DNC staffers, about 17% of the DNC's roughly 300 employees, signed a letter to DNC later, or letter, leaders excuse me, saying that we feel it is the DNC's moral obligation to urge the president to publicly call for a ceasefire, the Huffington Post first reported. Mm. The staffers uh, wrote that they were shocked and heartbroken over the unfathomable loss of life and the brutal attack on is uh, on Israeli citizens, and were grieving for the thousands of Palestinians who lost their lives during the Israeli government's military response. In there, in there, they're trying to have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. No, sorry, no, you can't. can't have it both no, ways. No, you cannot. And so this shows you the anti-Semitism that is growing inside of the Democratic Party, and not just anti-Semitism. But pro beheading babies. Yes. There is no gray area here. None. The There's gray, no middle ground. Right. The gray area just simply starts Obama's anti Semitism. Right. Remember when remember when uh uh Obama first became president and you had the the uh, the Jewish leaders come out and say, Well, we didn't know he had this kind of thoughts. About right. Israel, I mean, we're right. just and we're like, what are you talking about? He's been right. talking about that for the longest time. Right. It was clear. Well, we've been asking that question about the left, but really, that that moment with Obama was one that everybody could look at and go, "Okay, there's your example right there." The left hasn't supported Israel. The anti-Semitism has been very much alive on the left for a while, and now. It's at the surface, and they're marching in the streets to promote it. There are no questions anymore. Only people who ignore the truth. Yeah. That's it. And that and, and that's what you have. And as you said, you know, uh, Biden's been trying to ride that tightrope. Yeah. He knows that there's, he knows that the older Democrats that still go out and vote. Mm-hmm. He knows that they support Israel. The polls of all show it. Right, right. And that's why I wanted in that one polling that was done to break it down for the youth. They didn't break it down to political party. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where basically half sympathize with Hamas. Right. And a significant portion of that half uh, n- called it a genocide and believed that the genocide was justifiable. Right. Understand, you know, we've said this for the longest time, understand how radical this party is 
and is even becoming more not radically insane. Yes. Yeah, there is no more trying to hide it either. No. They haven't really been hiding it if you've been paying attention. This has been the case for years. And we are at that point where the radicals will absolutely take over this party. They have taken over this party. I am very anxious to see what the Democratic National Convention in Chicago next summer looks like. Show me that, because we went from this president saying he supports Israel to calling for a humanitarian pause. Which is his own definition of a ceasefire. It's a ceasefire. It's, it, the translation is, Israel, lay your weapons down and witness the slaughter repeatedly of your people. And if you if you want to send a message to Hamas, Hamas would be uh, release every single hostage. Yeah. And then we're willing to at least talk. Exactly what Israel said. There's not going to be anything. You you release the hostages first. We're not laying our guns down so right. you can control this game, right. so you can play your playbook. Yeah, I'm not saying the war stops. I'm just saying I mean, exactly. that, that that seemed to be the... It's like Nothing no. happens before well, every one of those people are yeah. released and we know they're safe. And and if and if uh, this administration, because we humanitarian pause, they may release a couple of hostages. So humanitarian, humanitarian pause this week to release 10 hostages. Right. Then humanitarian pause in the next week to release three hostages. Yep. Then a humanitarian... No. 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 Not done that way. No. Not done that way. When there's an act of war that was committed by Hamas and the Palestinian leadership that is in favor of Hamas. People always say, well, not everybody, not all the Palestinians are in favor with Hamas. Well, not all Germans were in favor with the Nazi party. Right. Right. The job of Israel is but- to win a war and, and defeat the enemy. And and if there's ever been a clear sign with what Hamas did to the United States, a message sent to the United States, what these people are willing to do. If 9-11 wasn't enough, if we forgot 9-11, as I believe we have as Americans, we completely, we may not have forgotten about it, but the whole thing never forget means we'll always prepare ourselves so that won't happen again. That's a load of horse manure. We've completely forgotten as a country on that. You haven't, I haven't, many conservatives haven't, but the Democratic Party and the party in power has completely forgotten about it. Well, you have you have the radicals saying we deserved it. Yeah. You have the just as you have the radicals saying Israel deserves this. 30,000. That's roughly the number of members of Hamas in Gaza. And they control the roughly 1.7 million Palestinians. Close to a third of their rockets hit Palestinians. Their misfires. Yeah, it's clear they don't care about the Palestinians. They don't care about life at all. They have one purpose. That's it. And they don't care if Palestinians get killed 
in the meantime. We got a great show ahead. So much to talk about. See the polling out there. Mm. Oh man, the Democrats panicking over that one. The media yeah. too. We'll get to that. Eight six six ninety red eye. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Cold temperatures and water can lead to only one outcome, and ice has no place in a truck's air system. That's why you must keep your air system moisture free as the temperatures begin to drop. A simple step toward keeping your air system moisture-free is manually draining the air tanks. You should drain your air tanks more frequently if your vehicle has a high air demand. Moisture that is not removed by the dryer must be manually drained from the tanks. Pay attention to how much water and contaminants drain out. Too much water indicates the air dryer isn't working properly, and too much oil may indicate that the air compressor is worn. Make sure your air system is in top condition before plunging temperatures. Put it to the test. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does, they charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Well, the New York Times, Sienna had a, uh, uh, Sienna polling, did a poll. Yeah. Uh, and we'll get to the specifics uh, of it, but uh, Trump tops uh, Joe Biden in five of the six crucial swing states. Here's Democratic Representative Jasmine Crockett on that poll, okay? Mm, all right. Well, what, would, what would possibly be that reason? And what's the reason for the support, the drop in support among blacks for Joe Biden? You ready? All right, here we go. Here's the deal. Perception is reality. And so when you look at the data that was provided in this poll, it talks about how people feel. And when people decide whether they're going to the poll or whether they're not going to, to the poll, it's all about how you feel in that moment. And so while the facts may not align with their feelings, 
Their feelings are dictating their reality. Their reality is that they said that they feel better or they felt better when Trump was in office. Hmm. So the problem is from somebody from the liberal black leadership, the Democratic liberal black leadership, blacks are stupid. Yeah, right. That's it. And we've said this all along. The Democrats believe that any that if you vote for them, you're an idiot. Right. We said that before. We right. said that, right. you know, we, when uh, with Obamacare, mm-hmm. when everybody that knew that they lied about Obamacare and it was like they didn't care. They didn't care because they believe the people that that they can lie to the people who vote for them. But she just said blacks are idiots. Well, remember that was what uh, she communicated. One of the chief architects of Obamacare, Gruber. Remember that whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. The stupid American voter. Yep, exactly. And we had been telling you by that time, we had been telling you for years. And he said it out loud. They admitted it. They believe you're stupid. And if you happen to vote for somebody on the right, something is very wrong with you. Oh, yeah. You'll you can't think for yourself. That's actually yeah. what they believe. You'll be labeled in a racial way. Yes. That has to do with your skin color. Right. That, in, wait a minute, you've got this skin color. You're supposed to think this way. You belong how, in a group. How, Why aren't you group thinking? Right. How dare you think as an autonomous individual? Right. We practice identity politics across the board. You must think this way or you're stupid or, as we've seen before, your Uncle Tom, your whatever. Right. This is how the Democrats operate. And no one should be shocked at the rise of blatant anti-Semitism that goes along with that very kind of thinking. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I'm just uh, looking at a couple of different uh, articles here about the uh, New York Times Siena polling that was uh, done, and I just happened to go by by uh, by Breitbart. And let's look at the numbers, all right? Nevada, Trump plus 11. Arizona, Trump plus 5. Pennsylvania, Trump plus 4. Michigan, Trump plus 5. Wisconsin, Hunter's dad, plus two. <laughs> that's how they have it listed. Oh, my gosh, that's funny. You know, and, and look, it's a year out. We make too much of these things. I think the one thing that really hits, because when you see plus five, plus five, plus four, plus two, that doesn't mean a lot. When you see Nevada, Trump plus 11, that's pretty huge. Yeah, right. And even uh, I, I, you know, you had um, uh, oh, was it was it Jonathan Carl? I forgot who was saying this isn't an outlier poll. Hmm. It's like okay, that's interesting. 
Well, and and we started asking that, you know, with the with some of the polls that came out. uh, What was that over a month ago? And it was when you start looking at at the decline. And and this happens every political season. There are a number of outlier polls along the way. And I think especially this early in the season, it is fairly typical for there to be one or two outlier polls. The question we asked is, is it a trend? And why would it be a trend? You know, one of the things that you look at right now is the, you know, the the, the cost of everything. What's going on with inflation? Uh, More and more analysts are saying, by the way, that that, uh, they believe there will be a recession by mid-year next year. I guess we'll see. And there is the problem with the Biden administration is that prices aren't going down. And at the end of the month, you're looking at, all right, what do we do here? We blew through our savings. Now our credit card bills are way up. We've tapped into our 401k. And now what do we, what do, we do? There's no other option. You know, you have to take on a second job. You have to take on gig work. And those are the things that are uh, that you face every single day. Those are the it's it's not even a reminder. It's the uphill battle you're facing every single day. It's stronger than a reminder because you're asking, when is this going to end every single day? Because your your spending power has been depleted. Under this administration. Um, I want to play this audio here because this is uh, this week where they have the panel discussion. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's all about the it's all about the poll. This is probably going to lead to a lot of Democrats increasing the chatter that Joe Biden should step aside and, and, and make room for another Democrat. And I think the problem that Democrats have is they don't know who that Democrat would be right now. I don't think that uh, people look at Kamala Harris and feel like she is ready to take that step forward. They look across the rest of the party, governors, senators, mayors, House members, and they're struggling to figure out who they could put up if it's not Joe Biden. And so I think the reality is Democrats are probably going to run Joe Biden. There you go. But it's interesting. I mean, there there it is. And uh, I I think I'm trying to look. I think everybody, uh, okay, I didn't recognize one person, but the majority were liberal on that poll. Or on that poll, on that panel, mm. which normally it is anyway. Yeah, right. And and so you look at it and they're they're clearly they're clearly worried. It was I think it was Jonathan Carl said what uh uh yeah, Jonathan Carl, mm-hmm. ABC. Yeah. Yeah, it, and yeah. I I saw him uh yesterday. He was saying, "Well, the thing is, you have to understand, you know, Trump's in the news all the time, but people don't realize just how bad Trump is. You know, Trump is worse now than he was back then." I'm like, "Okay." He goes, He's trying to make the case that he's in the news all the time, constantly for the last year because of the trials, but people don't know who Trump is. Like, you can't make that. It was a dumb statement to make. He's in the news all the time, and then that shows that people don't know how bad he's really gotten. Right. I don't know where you, I don't know where you go with that, except for the fact is, let's say that there, there are people that, 
would have voted for, did vote for Trump the second time, but not might not vote for him this time. Yeah, there may be some people out there. Mm-hmm. What you're forgetting about is the race isn't just about Trump himself. If it got to that point of Trump and Biden, it's about Biden. It's about where yeah. we are. You know, do they really understand? Do they under, I mean, when they, if you're sitting there, you know, if you're on that uh, panel, you say, well, look, he's a pathological liar talking about Biden on right. everything. Right. You didn't think that the border was going to be a problem. Right. You didn't think that that the the, the Democrats and their pro terrorist mindset was going to be a problem. You don't think that energy prices and inflation are going to be a problem for him in 2024. You don't believe that the cognitive, the horrible cognitive problems that he has isn't going to be a problem. Okay, fine. Every candidate has their faults. Trump has his faults that may have been highlighted. But if Trump is doing better, that may be because people have already looked at Trump and said, yeah, he's bad, but this guy's a hundred times worse. Well, and and they and people do think this way. They they think, you know what? The question is and 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 this was a political question forever. Were you better off then? Yeah. Now, sometimes it's it doesn't necessarily apply. In fact, a lot of times it doesn't necessarily apply to who was in the White House. I can look back at different during different administrations uh, and say, well, you know, I didn't do too badly then. You know, the Clinton administration. Now, a lot of that had to do with the class of 94 coming in. But the fact of the matter is, is that people do think that way. They look back on it and say, you know what? Up till COVID, things were moving along. Things were good. I wasn't paying this amount. And people may even tie it directly. They may even think in their mind, you know what? Maybe if we get back to that kind of policy, maybe prices can come down. Maybe things can at least, maybe pay can expand or the the, the economy can expand to the point that it needs to. That we're not out there. Because everything that the left wants to do when it comes to the economy is... The implosion, the destruction of capitalism and capitalist ideas and free market principles. Moving on to EVs and wind and solar is not a more efficient way. It's much more costly. And now you've got the EV makers coming in saying, we can't do this. People don't want these and they're way too expensive. And even with the subsidies... They're still too expensive. And there's no way around that. Because you're not creating a more efficient means for travel. You're not creating a more efficient energy source. It's extremely expensive. The repair and replacement of all the components necessary. And we haven't even talked about the upgrade on the grid. But the left wants to live in this delusional land because the Democrats, the party, has wanted for a long time to nationalize energy. And the way you do it, it's just like nationalizing health care. The way you do it 
is to destroy the private sector in the meantime. You have to do that so that the government comes in and says, well, we'll have all of these federal wind and solar programs, not just about offering money to states, but ownership and means of production. Well, that's not capitalism. That's communism. And this is where we are as a nation. And people, by the time we get to 24, if it's true, if uh, if uh, the guy from PIMCO, uh, Bill Gross, I think it is, uh, who keeps saying he said it, I don't know how many times in recent days. Oh, no, we're heading into a recession. Now, he's pointing to one even faster than next summer. Other analysts are saying next summer. Now, if that's the case, if we do reach a recession and prices are still high, people are fearing for their jobs, even if they haven't lost their jobs, they're fearing for their jobs, wondering if their company's going to go under or wondering if their company's going to make cuts while they're still trying to figure out how they're going to pay their bills and buy their groceries. Well, that is right there. That is political death. That is right there. The end of not just a presidency, that's the end of a party's reign, at least for the meantime. And then, of course, whoever comes in has to sweep up the mess. God help that person. You know, I'm, I'm old enough to remember the last uh, real big inflation mm. uh, that we had in the <laughs> 70s. And I, yeah. I remember the election that was really defining that, which would have been Carter and Reagan. Yeah. And, and yeah. not that Carter didn't have... You know, because I look back at that at that time, I, I would have been, you know, when when uh, I, w- I was uh, in college at that point and inflation was hitting. And I, you know, I think about it, I forgot what the interest rate my parents paid for their home in 79. Mm. It was pretty massive, though. You know, the the uh, the uh, the the interest rate yeah. on that mortgage that they took out when they bought uh, their their new home. Uh, but I remember how weak he was because of the failed Iranian uh, hostage rescue mm-hmm. uh, back then, but and but when you look at inflation and how bad that was and how long it went on, and then when Volcker got in, remember when Reagan first got in, it was up to twenty percent. Yeah, and you know it was just and and so you look at that and the and I don't know how to quantify that into next year's election. I don't know because all right. I know is yeah. that you know people talk about could we go into a recession? Inflation is worse than a recession. And you pointed it out earlier. Inflation is worse than the than uh, uh, than a recession because, as you said, people are looking for a second job, a gig job, whatever. Right. When you're unemployed, that's one thing. If you have 10% unemployment or 12% unemployment, that's bad. But that means 88% of the people that want to work are working. Mm-hmm. Inflation affects everyone. What's worse than a recession when prices keep going up and you're employed and then you have to take another job in order to keep up and you still can't keep up, the sense of hopelessness really is when you're working and can't keep up because that becomes in your mind permanent. Yeah. Yeah. Or a lot longer than, all right, I'm unemployed here. Let me see if I, you know, let me work to get a job somehow. It doesn't right. matter if you get a job. Right. The inflation is still hitting you every day. And and that's it. And so that fear in the back of your mind of whether or not you're going to be employed tomorrow, along with how are you going to meet your bills even if you are employed, 
That's something that lives with people 24-7. That's not something that just pops up every now and then. And politically, it is a campaign killer. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there... Don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. Are you into weird, spooky, and strange history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, unsolved mysteries, the paranormal, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us? Horrifying History, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Friday Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. You know, you look at Nevada and uh, Arizona, both border states, and you wonder if that is one of the reasons uh, that the uh, New York Times Siena poll is so high. Mm. Yeah, you know, you just yeah. and you you wonder how that will affect uh, uh, you know uh, border states. And where was it? Uh, what was that story out of San Diego? The oh oh, what was it? The, was it the city council or something in San Diego? I gotta go. I gotta go look at it. it was in the San Diego area where they. Uh, it was. Uh, I'm guessing it was Republicans, but it was mm. politicians saying we need to close the border down of California. Yeah, yeah right. I gotta find that one. Yeah, I just popped into my head. Uh, like that was. A and we know conservatives year. in California have been screaming that for a long time, but you, it, it, it rarely rises to the surface coming out of that state on a national level. Um, and it's because of the policy of the state and the Democrats that control that state. And it's quite unfortunate. You know, you see it over and over again. Remember, it always reminds me of the time when this goes back several years. And you had someone just suggesting that they put immigrants on buses and send them to California. And Cher came out and said, well, we can't do that. We can't afford that. Wow. And then, of course, now you compare that to everything that's going on in New York and Illinois and all the other blue areas where they're just showing up in busloads. Yeah, it was San Diego County Supervisor Jim Desmond who held a a press conference on it with other politicians saying, yeah, close the border. Right. Close it. Yeah. It needs to be closed. Right. Wow. Mm. 
top of the hour news is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Here we are into November. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to guess in a year from tomorrow, which would be the Tuesday of the of this week, will be uh, Election Day. Yeah, is it? Uh, yeah. Seventh? Uh, tomorrow is the seventh, but it's the it's the right. It's, it's, it's a Tuesday. It's right. It, I, Tuesday. Next year to be a Tuesday, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. It always is a Tuesday. Yeah. No, I mean the seventh will be a Tuesday. Yeah, I know. I, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea whether it's going to be a Tuesday yeah. or not. But, um, uh, hang on here. Election day, twenty twenty four. Um, the eighth. The eighth. Is it November fifth? November fifth. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. <clears throat> no. Oh, for Democrats, it's November eighth. Yes. <laughs> We're the station that cares. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for Republicans, it's November 5th. Yeah. For all Democrats, November 8th November 8th. next year. And <laughs> that's misinformation. For the do-nothing party. What is it? Oh, no labels party. It's whenever. No labels. Nancy going off on the no labels party last week. Okay, Nancy. So is Stacey Abrams over the weekend. Yeah. They, yeah. they don't have a chance. Here's a question. Sounds, sounds like somebody's fearful that they'll steal from their own from their party. Here's here's a question. I, I expect that the president is still going to play the, the you know, ride the tightrope here. Everybody yeah. knows the anti-Semites that exist inside the White House. Right. You know, uh, whether it was uh, the Axios article that we read that, that uh, talked about the differing opinions in the pro-Palestinian, uh-huh. I mean the pro-Hamas, uh-huh. pro-terrorist right. portion, yeah. as long as it's against Jews, right? Uh, portion of the Democratic Party. Now, Tlaib was out there getting herself in trouble again this weekend, but she said it again, that uh, the left will abandon Biden if he doesn't change his mind on this. Mm-hmm. Biden is not going to say, sorry, Israel, you must stop now on a ceasefire until an agreement is made and no money is going your way. That's not happening anytime in the next year. Well, here's the thing. if He can't go that far. We asked it last week. What would be the next logical step? Well, if you follow it, then you're wondering if they could impose sanctions on Israel. But... In reality, that would be such a massive move. I don't know how I don't know how bad that would be politically for them if they wanted to impose sanctions for not 
uh, uh, not coming to a ceasefire. That it would be uh, it would be unprecedented, I believe. I'd have to go back and look. Yeah, yeah. It, I I I don't believe he's trying like he's trying to ride the tightrope as he's doing with everything. Yeah, he's I mean with the border, mm-hmm. the the border. You know, he could stop it. Right. He could have stopped it from day one. Mm-hmm. No, he issued uh, executive orders that got us to the point of where we are right now. We've right. gone through that before. Right. But he tries to play it both ways. No, the border's secure, as we know it's not secure. Everyone knows he's lying on both sides. Yeah. There isn't anybody who believes that the president is telling the truth on the border when he says it's secure. There's not one Democrat out there that believes that. Right. And even though the polls show... It's like, you know, oh, 30% of Democrats believe that it's great. Well, that's the liberals in the party that will just, just go along with whatever they need to go along with. Mm. I did see it was, was it the DNC? Well, I think it was a Twitter post over the weekend. 88% of Democrats believe that the president is doing a great job. It was from the DNC over the yeah. weekend. right. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Try to sell that one. Right, right. It's going to be tough. But but on everything, it's like, you know, uh the, the flip-flops, you know, the look, all Democrats have done it. You and I remember when Obama was trying to kill any type of, uh, you know, uh, exploration of oil and natural gas on federal lands. Mm-hmm. And then when Trump, when Trump came out and said, look at, look at how low gasoline prices are getting and we're pumping all this oil. And then Obama came back, but, but, but that pumping of oil happened and it started when I was president. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. What side yeah. are, you, are you? Are you saying that you're the cause of global warming then? Right. It didn't seem that any Democrats picked up on that. We did. And we asked for Democrats' response and, of course, got nothing on yeah, it, which yeah, we the, expected. He, he was the cause of global warming and cause for the increase in profits of the oil companies. Yes. I mean, it was, you know, he couldn't. Yeah. It, but this is what they do. They want to take uh, you know, credit for everything. Um, and, and, of course, uh, trying to walk that fence politically is never a winner. I but I don't know where you go. The the only thing you can do is what they're doing right now between now and November 5th of next year and that is try and walk this fence by saying, "Listen, we uh we would we're still asking for a humanitarian pause, humanitarian pause, humanitarian pause." It we knew from the beginning Israel's not going to listen. They're they're not they're going to do what they need to do, and that's defend their country, defend their border. They're going to have to do everything they can to eradicate Hamas. I was reading a piece over the weekend. I'm trying to remember where that was saying that actually inside of Israel, all this pro-Palestinian stuff around the world, mm-hmm. even in the United States, mm-hmm. is making them double and triple down on it, saying, "See, that's the danger that we face." No, I, I, I so think we that's, need yeah. so we need to, so it's like you know in in the United States, you've got. People in the United States that, you know, you, you see the polling and, and we have talked about the, the polling, the polling of young people. They see it there. Right. They yeah, see right, it. They've right. got a They've got a free press. They see it. They right. publicized it. And it's like they're thinking, oh, my God, you have Americans that would exterminate Jews. Right. We have to fight that all this publicity, instead of having an effect of making Israel want to back off, is having the opposite effect uh, effect on Israel it's giving them the incentive to say, nope, we have no choice because look at that. In the United States, look at that. 
Young people understand it's a genocide and they agree with the terrorist act against us. If the United States is going that way and other places we see these protests going on and the Democratic Party, that's where they're headed. Then we're alone. Then we're alone. And they, you know, there's always been that. That's always been the case uh, where, you know, they they knew that they they had to defend themselves. But I've never seen it ever to the point where you have people marching in the streets all over the world for the eradication of Jews. I've never seen that. I've never seen it at this level. This is about as insane and radical as it gets. And Israel knows there is no choice now. Because there's no public support. They don't see. It's not that there is no public support in the U.S., but when the radicals are louder than those of us who support Israel, then you're good. They, you have to take note of that because you know that it becomes uh, politically harder in the U.S. to get any support. I still don't know what's going to happen in terms of any any uh, uh, dollar support for Israel and and what we're going to be sending ultimately and how that all pans out because. At some point, I suspect, I'll just say there's a possibility they get a bill done, some kind of bill done, and Biden has to sign it. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that sends it over the uh, top for people on the left, where he's got he's going to have to sign that bill into law, sending billions of dollars to Israel well, the far left will have none of that. That will be a line politically for him. You know, you make a great point. If he, if they combine it, if it's the, if it's the Ukraine, Israel, and pork bill, mm, yeah, that they would rather have, right? Then it could just be a generalized bill: security for the United States, providing funding for Ukraine, mm-hmm. uh, uh, very much needed infrastructure in the United States. In Israel. In Israel. <laughs> but the left will take note of that, you know, that part for Israel. And the media will. But if they get through, if the Republicans get it through just for Israel. Right. Oh. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And how big, standalone, is, yeah. how big is that radical portion of the Democratic Party? I, you're seeing it every day. You it know? seems to be growing. It seems to be. Look, we've known that the radicals are there. But the idea of them marching on the street, supporting the slaughter of babies. Yeah, it's and and so you look next year because we're just a year year out. Tomorrow, we're a year out. Yeah, we are. And and you look at everything. And here's the thing. There's so much being thrown at everybody when Mm. you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to the point where you and I've actually come in and go, wow, there's just so much. It's just so much negative, you know, negative news. Yeah. And I don't mean just yeah. negative, but the reality of what's going on is negative. No, it, not, it is very hard. Not, not that somebody's creating negative news just for the sake of creating negative news. But when, when I saw the other day that, that New York, and I still don't buy it yet, but New York could be in play for Republicans in 2024. Yeah. Uh, 
still, you <laughs> you have to do that to prove it to me. Yeah. Uh, when you saw how close the governor's race was last time, though, but then you add illegal immigration into New York City. By the time we get to Election Day of next year, it will be two solid years of insanity in New York City. Yeah. Yeah. Is the Republican Party a lot more in play in New York next year? Is well, is, is that a, a chance? And when you look at Nevada, when you look at Arizona, these border states that have experienced that, is that, that enough to throw them over the top? I'll tell you right now, when you when you look at um, – there are a couple of states right now that, that people are looking at, again, the battleground states of, like, Pennsylvania. You look at a Pennsylvania, and I really wonder what Pennsylvania looks like in 2024. But there's indication that it looks like it did in 2016 and maybe even more so. Mm-hmm. And that right there is what the Democrats are not going to be able to sustain. They can't. 86690 Red Eye. Brought to you by FPPF Fuel Power Max. Surviving and thriving as an owner operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. Costs are not the same each month. If 9,600 miles are driven one month and 10,000 miles the next, two different sets of costs apply for each month. For example, if your tractor payment is $1,850 per month and you drive 9,600 miles in the month, your tractor payment is costing you 19.3 cents per mile. Drive 10,000 miles, though, and that same payment will cost you 18.5 cents per mile. This is one of your major fixed costs while paying off a truck loan. The difference in this example is only a fraction of a cent, which may seem like small change, but it ultimately amounts to $960 more annually on the bottom line. Because though fixed costs do not go down over time, you can reduce your cost per mile with more paid miles. Brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. America starts the day with America in the morning. Pending home sales numbers, they tanked in April, but there Hi, are. Hi, I'm two John Trout, your host for the latest news, politics, entertainment, business, and weather. The octane action in the dust, a new film puts. Our staff of correspondents provide a fast paced look at the world with specialized reports from where news happens. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Amazon. Concise, accurate, and fresh each day. America in the morning, the podcast, available wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. You know, just uh, looking at those uh, the the polling numbers, the New York Times Siena poll that shows Trump up in five out of the uh, 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 six. Um, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, swing states, mm. and you just wonder. And again, it's a year out, so a yeah. year out. You know, yeah. people still haven't seriously considered what they're going to do now. The partisans, yeah, if you're a loyal Republican, you know what you're going to do. But there's right. a huge number of independents out there that aren't even thinking yeah. about you know, yeah. who they're going to vote for. Right. 
you think that that for example even if it's at the most optimistic projections for next year inflation's not going down nope the rate may the rate uh may not be going up as fast but it's going to be way over 2% all yeah. the way yeah we won't hit the through, target of- right and the target, by the way, is two percent, which would mean still a two percent increase of where from where we are now. Now, and and you're not going to see that in the next year. No. And and so that's going to be a problem consistently. Uh, you're going to have probably uh, a two trillion dollar deficit next year again. We're going to be adding two trillion dollars probably every single year, unless they start cutting back. It's, you know, this is the, we would have hit 200, we would have hit 2 trillion this year if it wasn't for the fact the Supreme Court came in and knocked down the student loan program yeah. that they're moving yeah. to next year, right. which already for next year, they were expecting, this was way back in March, mm. where they were expecting a $1.8 trillion uh, uh, deficit next year, where they were only expecting 1.6 this year, and we were at what, 1.7, 1.8? Mm-hmm. So it would have been over if they if the college money would have been in there would have been well over two. So they're expecting it to be over two trillion again next year. Well that's just gonna keep interest rates high. Look, you got here's the thing. If you're not printing money to buy your own debt and keeping interest rates artificially low, manipulating your currency, mm-hmm. so number one, you can buy your own uh, debt, and number two, people you know that 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 um, uh, the it's it's less on the taxpayer. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you're buying your own debt because you can't find enough people to right. buy treasury bills at zero percent right. interest. Right, it's not attractive. So that's in all likelihood isn't going to happen again. So interest rates are going to remain high, and so the interest on the debt is just going to be huge. Well, and. And and there's where the cuts come in, you know, or the the spending expands probably actually a little of both. I, I well, it will be cuts that are that that have to happen. You've got to make room for the interest payments. Well, I just realized what's that? If we were at one point seven or one point eight trillion mm-hmm. for the deficit, right? Half of it was interest on the debt. Yeah, a little more than half, right? Or right about, yeah. right about eight hundred and seventy-nine. Yep, eight hundred and seventy-nine, almost billion, nine hundred billion. Yeah, one point seven. Yeah, I think it was one point seven. Right, is whether it was one point seven, one point seven one, or so. You're talking about over fifty percent of our deficit is interest. Yeah. Wow. It's insane, yeah. and and I don't know. How you reverse spending. I don't know politically how you sell that. I really don't. I I really don't. When you when you talk about reversing spending, the only thing you can do and, and I don't know there are only a handful of Republicans talking about it, and they're in very safe districts. All the Republicans in the Senate were quiet about it. Yeah, well, we don't. Yeah, we don't like messy. We don't like messy. But it is not 
politically, it's it's insanity to say we need to cut spending when people are struggling to make their bills because they're looking for big gov- more big government. I don't care who they are. And I don't know how you get that done. You should be able to. But right now, it's a tough sell. So good, you know you want to listen again with our podcast, available on our app and at RedEyeRadioShow.com. And he is Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you want if you can't listen live uh, overnight. Just looking at that uh, New York Times uh, Siena poll and extrapolating it out to uh, the election one year from tomorrow. Mm. Uh, where it shows Trump up uh, by 11 in Nevada over Biden, five in Arizona, four in Pennsylvania, five in Michigan, and down two uh, to Biden in uh, in Wisconsin. Uh, but it sent shockwaves uh, through Democratic circles over the weekend. Uh, uh, I look at I look at uh, just everything that we're dealing with now, and inflation's one of them. Inflation's not going away. No, okay, there is no hope for inflation to go the opposite direction. Well, unless there's a massive depression. <laughs> well, and, and you know, I actually had to wonder, uh, and and I still do wonder if if we do see a recession, how deep that recession might be next summer. Yeah. So so you have inflation that's not going anywhere, yeah. and and if it did, it would be because of there would be such a slowdown in the economy that prices would have to go down, but there's not going to be a slowdown. Even though I I did see at uh, target, they said a uh, little bit of a slowdown in people buying there, but overall you're not going to have a, you're not going to have a reduction of 10% of, of, of food in the United States. That's not going to happen. Hmm. All right. So that inflation is going to remain there. The inflation on automobiles is going to remain the inflation on electricity and other, you know, power sources, depending on the weather. A lot mm-hmm. that's dependent on the weather uh, when it comes uh, to what kind of a bad winter, um, you know, we uh, we have. The border situation is not going to change. Remember, everything that has happened in New York is accelerating at a faster pace with people crossing the border and wanting to come to New York mm-hmm. and Chicago. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's slowing down. It's increasing. The last reports we had last week, it's still going up. They're getting more every single week, and that goes on for another year. Uh, You and and so you violent crime in all those areas as well. Violent crime, yes. And these are things when when you talk about our core instincts, being able to shelter feed, and protect ourselves and our families. Those are things that become very disconcerting when when you get into a, a, a political season, an election year, a major election year. Those considerations are ever-present. 
I don't know what it looks like. I don't know to what degree it changes anything in these major metro areas where they've been seeing this massive rise in, in crime. But you're seeing people flee California. It's interesting watching some YouTubers. A handful of YouTubers that I follow are in San Francisco, in the Bay Area. Two of the four in that group have left San Francisco. They've left that area, and they and they mentioned how expensive it is. Now, they don't harp on it. They're focused, their channels are focused on other things. But leaving, while they're leaving, they talk about how enormously expensive it is. And then they talk about, you know, uh, one of one of the channels uh, travels, they go to other parts of the world and they're like, it's it's so unbelievable how pri- how low prices are, you know, in this area or this part of the world. When you have to get up and leave your home and you have to, and you can no longer sustain you can no longer afford to be there and you no longer feel safe in that area those are major 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 motivators it's impossible to tell how it's going to turn out in 24 but when you see all the things that we've talked about that have gone from abstract to reality mm-hmm. for the left it is right now So many things, but those core items, how you protect your family, how you feed your family, how you shelter your family are things that are part of our instinct that really make us to our core extremely nervous when they're compromised. I I also uh, did notice you, I think you were reading it from a couple of liberal publications last week. We just... We're amazed that in the two weeks since we came back from vacation <laughs> uh, from the beginning of October, all of a sudden, every story every day about yeah. wind and solar failing, right. you know, yeah. and the, the the big massive uh, uh, project off of New Jersey. There still are a couple of op-ed pieces written on on that, but those get those actually get big news and are actually covered that it's not working, it's not working, it's not working. So, you know, you look at... You look at inflation, and I'll tell you another story that got to me uh, uh, over the weekend that I went, ooh, it's not that just generalized inflation. It's that this was ridiculous. We cannot afford a McDonald's meal of a burger, burger, a shake, and whatever for 18 bucks. Yeah. And right. we can't have other, you know, the the Super Whopper or whatever. Right. I mean, yeah. At, yeah. at $12 or $13, this is unacceptable. They need to stop. You know, they need to stop gouging the customer. And yeah, it seemed right. like the focus of the article was blaming McDonald's for the high prices. That, right, right. That, that McDonald's, in the time of inflation that we're dealing with, said, you know something? We don't need to do this, but let's screw everybody over on yeah. the prices of McDonald's instead of doing what they've always done which is try to be more competitive and put everybody else out of business. Yeah. Yeah. By having quality right. by having a quality that people accept, you know, that they want mm-hmm. and cheap prices right. that all of a sudden McDonald's went, "Well, you know, since it's really high inflation, nobody'll well, notice. Ah, let's make let, yeah, let forget about competition, forget about being comp- uh, competitive here." Uh, and th- I 
there was one sandwich that I looked at on the menu. Seven bucks, the sandwich alone. Fast food. Seven bucks. No drink, no fries, just the sandwich. And I've noticed, I've noticed this too with some fast food outlets. The grilled chicken sandwiches are gone. I don't know if that has to do with uh, people's choices and demand. I, I really don't. But in two major fast food companies, they don't offer the grilled chicken sandwich anymore. I, I really don't know what that is. I don't know if that is a uh, supply shortage. I don't know if that is demand changing. They have grilled, like grilled chicken. One has a grilled chicken wrap. Mm-hmm. One has a, and they have like grilled chicken on the salad. But they're not selling the grilled chicken sandwich anymore. And I thought, okay, this is interesting. And if you look at the price of chicken right now, it is it is skyrocketed. It went down over the last couple of years for a short period of time. But I mean, it is over the top. And those are the things you look at for any commercial venture. Your material costs, your supplies, what you pay for everything. We've got to keep in mind also the cost of transportation. They've got to pay to get that stuff to the store. That's all built in to the pricing. And they're about as competitive as they can afford to be, and it's still over-the-top expensive. The only thing that brings that down is deflation. We've only seen true deflation in one period, and that was the Great Recession. We're not going to see this massive drop in prices. We're not going to see what people want to see. And that's going back to the 2018, 2019 prices on, on things that we buy. So the Democrats have a border issue, yep. which is now expanded across the, uh, uh, the country. They've got a credibility issue because everybody right. knows that Biden's a pathological liar. They right. know it. Right. And he's a pathological liar on the issues. Right. On things that actually matter because everybody knows the border isn't secure. There isn't one Democrat. Right. Yeah. Even if you're telling the pollster, you know the border isn't secure. Right. That's a ridiculous thing for the president to say. Inflation and inflation across the board on everything. You know, can't buy a house, can't buy a car. Think about that. Uh, you know, food skyrocketing. Yeah. All right, we're going to have to cut back here, cut back here. All right, somebody's going to have to get another job. Right. We need, we need another job here, and we're still struggling to make it, and we're doing everything we possibly can because we're working, and we still can't uh, uh, keep up. To fund the police in the city, the you know, like I said, the uh, sanctuary cities in Chicago, New York, whatever, and what they're doing there, will that have an impact uh, in uh, you know in uh, in another year? The crime rate in the inner city will that have an effect of making people stay home or encouraging them to stay home? Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of unanswered uh, 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 questions here. The insanity of the grid, the insanity of electric uh, vehicles, the insanity of climate change, you know, in uh, in in general. Uh, and let's not forget the social issues because they're still not gone. Critical race theory, uh, the liberal, uh, uh, radical, uh, transgender, insane, misogynist movement against uh, uh, women. And then you look and say, OK, that's that's a tough road for Democrats to uh, crawl back from. All right, what do they got about? What do they get? What do they have against Republicans? 
And right now, you could say abortion, even mm-hmm. the lesson before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that may not be as big of an issue next year. might be a bigger issue in some of the Constitution amendments. I think they have one in, in, uh, in Ohio now, mm-hmm. which would take abortion till birth. Mm-hmm. Uh, then again, if that happened, could Republicans rally that it shouldn't be till birth because majority of Americans don't think it should go that far? Right. So that could reverse itself. But other than that, the only thing they really have against Republicans is what what uh, uh, George Stephanopoulos was sitting Scalise on. Mm. Do you believe the 2020 election was stolen? I believe that there were states that didn't follow their state law. Didn't ask that question. Was it stolen? And he'd never answered the question. He just kept saying there were states that would do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so you have, it was, we, we talked about this before, Carrie Lake not mentioning it. Mm-hmm. But even Scalise, we're not worried about that. We're worried about the future here. Uh, he's, you know, uh, Biden's the president. We're working forward from this point. That's not the question I ask. Is the election still? Now, you know they would never do that to a Democrat, but those are the two points. That's it. Does Stacey Abrams believe it was stolen? Yeah. And would they keep asking her that question over right. and over again? Never. But but it shows you the the panic where they go, okay, what do we have against Republicans? What can we use? All right, let's use that. Republicans are going to have to find an answer that is acceptable where they don't filibuster like Scalise did, because obviously you could tell he wasn't trying to answer the question. Carrie Lake now has made the decision not to bring up anything about any election being stolen. Mm-hmm. Will Trump do that? Yeah, I don't know. I was surprised to know uh, that uh, he's going to be taking the stand Monday. Yeah. In his one case. And I don't, I honestly, I got to question that move. I have to question that move. Politically, it may work for him. But for the case, legally, I don't know. It just depends on what is said. And everything between now and a year from tomorrow is about what you say. You know, I, 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 I don't think the Republicans, by the way, I don't think they have a choice but to filibuster on that on that question. Because I, I don't know what you say. Because I, I would have started with, well, what's your definition, George, of stolen? There are different definitions of stolen. The states all have issues and had issues, and I leave it to them to fix those issues. I don't know what well, else you can well, say. Well, sort of like Johnson did on abortion. He goes, that's been settled. Right. My view on abortion means nothing because right. Supreme Court's already done it. It's into the states now. There's nothing yep. I can do anyway. Yep. I believe in the process. Yep. And if the process, something in the process is wrong, the states can fix it. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Cronin. I'm Gary McNamara. By the way, you get this with polls that are a year out. Mm. For example, in, uh, in Georgia... Uh, Trump beats Biden by six, 49-43. Yeah. All right? All right. Harris, so he beats he beats Biden. Trump beats Biden by six. They put Vice President Harris in there. Mm. He only beats her by three. 
Wow. Uh, and I think it was, uh, what was it? Michigan, the same thing, too. Michigan, Trump wins by five over Biden in the poll. He loses to Harris by two. A wow. seven-point difference. <laughs> wow. That's a massive swing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it makes you wonder what the party's thinking right now. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you. All right, I love this story here. All right. What do you got? And we had told, just so you know, we tried, we on this show try to help out everybody. We do. We do. We've given advice to Democrats. Mm -hmm. We've actually been yelled at. members of our audience yeah guys shut up quick give them advice don't give them advice we go don't worry they never listen to us right and they don't they don't uh but this uh article fox had it democrats begin to distance themselves from bidenomics swing voters calls it call it a jumbled mess some democrats including members of the white house Told NBC News they are beginning to sour on the term Bidenomics. Mm-hmm. President Biden and his administration coined the term Bidenomics to promote the idea that their policies were improving the economy. However, some Democrats have suggested to NBC that the branding may be doing more harm than good. We warned you, Democrats. Yeah. We told the administration, don't do it. In fact, I think we were, that was when I think I used the term that I use occasionally. I had a perverse sense of awe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, got to be kidding, guys. You can't do that. Inflation's leading everything. You can't pretend. Bidenomics was the attempt to pretend that the economy was great and Biden was responsible for it. Therefore, it's yeah, Bidenomics. right. right. And we said, you can't convince the American public because of inflation. Don't do it. It'll blow up. Yeah. That's blowing up, according yep. to the Democrats. Well, I mean, it was it was insane. You want to attach his n- name to it. Remember with Obamacare, you know, at first the liberal media, oh, well, that's racist to call it Obamacare. Well, why? It's a good thing. It's... it's what do you, you guys think it's a good thing? Why would it be? Oh, no. Well, that's right. Ra- and then he came out and said, oh, no, I embrace it. <laughs> I call it Obamacare. My kids call it Obamacare. My wife calls it Obamacare. <laughs> Hillary Clinton calls it garbage. But because <laughs> she couldn't get it done. It wasn't. It should have been Hillary care. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it was 
but that was different. That was what the left, the left was out in full force embracing, defending Obamacare, the whole thing. The media was throwing lipstick on it, and we knew where it was going to go. With Bidenomics, we were already in a horrible place. Attaching his name to it, them attaching his name. If Ted Cruz had come up with the words Bidenomics, <laughs> I would have said, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> we were dumbfounded when they did that. It was just, we, what we, in the world yeah. were you thinking? Yeah, we just, when, when they did that, whenever that was here in the past, it was in the past yeah, year. Yeah, what is what is wrong and, with you? <laughs> and we just said, what are you, nuts? You don't want to do this. This will never, ever, ever be a positive. Uh, quote, Whoever came up with the slogan, Bidenomics should be fired, <laughs> one Democrat strategist told NBC. I think we said that. Yes. It's probably the worst messaging you could ever imagine. End of quote. That comes from NBC. Yeah. Two people familiar with the White House discussions reported that the president was initially reluctant to reclaim it to promote uh to promote it, uh, 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 to promote a growing economy, mm. worrying that using Bidenomics could backfire. Yeah. Representative James Clyburn also admitted, "I don't like it either." Uh huh. The people that he Biden stands for don't deal with economics; they deal with day to day issues. Right. By the way, that's a load of manure. Yeah. Of course, they deal with economics. Mm. They just they don't explain anything right. No, they don't. Hey, by the way, you know what it what is a day to day issue? Economics. <laughs> they deal with day to day issues. They have to educate their children and feed their families and develop their communities, and that doesn't sound like Bidenomics. <laughs> no. People understand because remember, even during COVID, there was that the majority of Americans understood that that spending is what was causing inflation. Oh yeah, they knew. They knew. Yeah, the public figured that out. Yep. So the public figured it out. Inflation. Yep. It's bad. Yep. It's bad. It's right. worse. It's right. getting worse. Yep. Now we can't survive. Now we can't afford things. It's worse. It's worse. The economy is doing great. It's Bidenomics. Nope. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I don't deal. You know, this is this is the whole point with Clyburn again. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that Democrats believe that the people that support them are idiots. Right. They're, they're not thinking about the economy yeah. as they struggle to make their bills and pay for groceries. Right. They're not thinking about that at every turn when they fill their car up with gasoline. They're not thinking about that when they get to the 20th of the month and realize they have no money left between that day and the first? They're, think, they're thinking about everyday issues. Yeah. Like how they're drowning because of the economy. You know, we, and, and by the way, I'm not bragging. This is, I'm not bragging here. I'm not patting ourselves on the back. But we are right so many, so many times from a political standpoint 
when they try to do something, whether it's Republicans or Democrats. Mm-hmm. But we seem to be right all the time, almost with with uh, with with Democrats. And 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 by the way, I, I mean that's not again. I'm not petty. I, it's just I don't think I don't believe it's because we're this inc- so incredibly smart. I just think we've been around so damn long. Yeah. That yeah. we know what works and doesn't what doesn't work, right? And when a politician attempts to really bull blank mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. that uh, you sort of configure the public can sort of figure it out. And Bidenomics is one of those things. Well, that's the thing. I, I don't. I don't feel that way either. Of you know, patting ourselves on the back. I feel again <laughs> this incredible sense of awe, perverted awe, perverted awe. <laughs> because they can't see it. And we've asked that question. When did they lose the playbook? When did they throw out the playbook? This is this is uh this is campaigning 101. Whether you're campaigning for a bill or whatever you're trying to get done as a president, whether you're campaigning for a re-election, whatever it is you're pushing. Whatever you're stumping for, this is right out of the very basics. It, it is, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, well, listen, we, we are for good things and we want to make it clear we are against bad things. <laughs> I mean, it is that simple, or at least it should be. And for the life of me, I, I don't know why they can't see that. And here's an example. Democratic poster, uh, Celinda Lake, also added, originally, I would have said, we didn't repeat it enough. (laughs) I would have said we weren't visible enough out there. (laughs) I would have said we didn't put enough advertising, Uh but we've done all of that, and it still doesn't break through. End of quote. It doesn't break through. Because it was always a negative. Yeah, because you were denying you were denying the impact inflation was having. Exactly. As we said many times before, well, wait a minute, people have jobs. Don't you understand? People are analyzed. This is where Clyburn has it wrong. Well, people aren't thinking about economics or trying to survive day to day. That's dealing with their own economics. That, that, that's the number one that, thing they're right. dealing with. That's what it's they're the number with. one issue. Most people don't sit there and say, doggone it, I'm going to vote for this politician uh, because the economy is doing fantastic and I'm employed in doing horrible. Yeah. No. They view their economy as what they experience each and every day. Yep. And that's how they go out and that's how they vote. That's exactly how what everything everybody is going through right now. It is everything. Economics is everything right now. Here it is. According to NBC, a focus group. From their, a research firm had a swing uh, voter refer to Bidenomics as a jumbled mess that was really hard to explain. See, uh, we, we're, we're economists, and, and we know the economy. Normal people, they don't get it. They don't know how it works. <laughs> they don't see all oh, the good things by that the are way, happening. I, I was on YouTube, and that came I started coming up in shuffle, so I... <laughs> we're cavemen voters. That's right. Yes. We don't understand your fancy economics. That's right. 
and your fancy politics. That's right. We we don't listen. We just we we don't know how any of this works. We don't understand what is this paycheck that we receive? What are we to do with this? What are all these numbers and whatnot? It it really is we we asked on so many fronts. How is it that in and there were a series of meetings where they came up ultimately with Bidenomics. There were a series of meetings where rooms were filled <laughs> with probably 15 to 20 people at least. And no one said, uh, I, I have a question. Why? Why would we ever do this? Why would we attach the president's name? How did they not have internal polls that see people are suffering? Yeah, that would have been the first, as we said, as political consultants, we would, we would, if we would have been in that room and they were paying us $10 million each, because mm-hmm. we would take the money directly from China and Ukraine and the president would have funneled it right to Eric and Gary. That's right. And well, through James and then to. Well, Biden, through well, us. Well, no, yeah. yeah, it does have to be funneled through a couple right, of accounts yeah. and right and and false corporations. Right, but we would have said uh, no. What do you mean no? You've got inflation that you're not going to tame before the election. That's how people view their economy, based on the fact that you know they can't afford. They're working a job. They have to go get another job. And they still can't afford things. Right. They're worried. They can't save. They're using their credit card. They're taking out of their savings. McDonald's taking... is a luxury. Right. right. McDonald's is becoming a luxury. Right. And you're saying, but they have a job. Mm-hmm. And so they should be happy. Well, they don't. That makes it worse. You don't understand. You can't say, well, you've got... everybody's got a job who wants a job, but they can't live on that job. Inflation right. is eating right. into it. Right. And, the, and inflation's eating into a period of, well, you saw it was a total of 27% uh, Halloween candy went up in two years. Right. And that's not even the entire time of inflation. Right. That doesn't go from March of 21. Right. Right. We've had two and a half years of inflation. Mm-hmm. No, and, Christmas and, this year is going to be horrible. And and so for the fact that they didn't, in that room, nobody stood up and said that. What are you, nuts? No, you're not going to don't personalize it to the president. You want to sit there and you want to make sure that that anything that's good you bring up in a general term, but you don't dare touch inflation. Our job is to find out as political consultants if we're democratic political consultants, our job has to be how to take inflation and move it away from the president. Right. You say Congress passed all of these and I felt like I had to sign them. Right. But no, they can't do that because they cannot admit, even though everybody knows it, and the Obama economists actually told them they really can't say the inflation is caused by spending because they're all the ones that push the spending, including Biden. Biden what? can't hide from that. This is it. I mean, it's exactly what we have said before. Biden's first problem was not doing anything that Trump would do. Making sure he did the opposite of Trump. The one thing Biden can't do is do the opposite of what Biden has done. Biden can't admit he was wrong ever. 
It's not going to happen. So it's not going to change. You have to stay the course until the end, regardless of how many people are suffering. And they say now Democrats are not happy at all about Bidenomics being used. And they shouldn't be. Duh. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Toronto Radio, he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, I just, uh, I, I wonder, because uh, you and I have said, the worst thing you can do for Joe Biden is have him out there talking. And yeah. the worst yeah. thing you can have for Joe Biden is have Kareem Jean-Pierre out there talking. And lately, the worst thing you can do is have John Kirby talking. Vice and President he, Harris talking. Vice President Harris talking. And they just seem to want them out there every single day. It's almost as if they didn't learn the lesson from 2020. Yeah. Which was hide him. It's as if they feel now that since this is their administration, they feel like you've got to be out there promoting the good thing because everything we're doing is wonderful and incredible and they just don't understand it. Yeah. And that's winning inside of the White House. Right. So go promote and say the economy's doing wonderful because we believe that it is. Right. You know, who was it that I saw the other day? Oh, it was that. It was like from four years ago. But was it was it uh, Tlaib or I can't think of which one it was. Mm. It was one of the ones in the squad being mm. asked about taxes. Yeah. Basically saying, well, you know, I'm in the lower income as a mm. congressperson. Yeah. You know, that's one thing we don't talk about. Members mm. of Congress, you live in Washington, D.C., with the salaries that you make, even though it's probably around what two hundred thousand, mm. yeah, somewhere in seven, eight hundred eighty thousand, yeah, something with committee like that. fees and all that, yeah. You, you you felt the inflation. That's one thing. If you're a member of Congress, you've actually felt it. If oh, you're yeah. on the staff, you've actually felt the inflation. Well, we've talked about that too. If with, you're in the White House staff, you've actually if, felt the inflation. If you're in the liberal media, yeah, yeah, you're getting yeah. hit hard. It you, you can you can try and deny it, but you know. It, it's very clear what causes it. Everyone knows. So when you pretend that you that something else is causing it or that it's not affecting people, you're the one that looks ignorant. We don't believe people are stupid, but the Democrats are counting on people being stupid. Wow, they're not thinking about They're thinking of their day-to-day issues, not the economy. The economy is their day-to-day issue. I know. <laughs> it's everything right now. Clyburn, what an idiot. It's like, well, they're not dealing with economics. They're dealing with, you know, the day-to-day things that, yeah. you know, that they have to worry about in life. Yeah. Their economics, you how, idiot. How they're gonna I'm sorry. I don't want to name call, but when things are just so obvious. Oh, they're not worried about economics. They're worried about their own lot in life. Right. That's their economics. Right. It's everything right now their economy because it's there's not Ah. one day that goes by that you don't have to face it that's the problem it never goes away it never goes away every single day you look inside your fridge and your pantry and you're planning a meal and you're thinking how much do i have how much do i actually have there how many days of food do i have 
What can I make of what I have? And then you dread going to the the grocery store, which you have to do. And you face it all over again. No, it's an everyday, every day. And it will concern. be every single day yep. until Election Day a year from tomorrow. Yep, yep. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Hardy, and I'm Gary McNamara. All right, I have the transcript. Uh, I, I can't uh, play the audio because there's too much profanity in it. Uh, but uh, Bill Maher, Friday night. Yeah. All right, you ready? Okay. Here's what he said. And finally, heh. <laughs> And finally, new rule for all the progressives and academics who refer to Israel as an outpost of Western civilization like it's a bad thing. Please note, Western civilization is what gave the world pretty much every blankety-blank liberal precept that liberals are supposed to adore. Individual liberty, scientific inquiry, rule of law, religious freedom, Women's rights, human rights, democracy, trial by jury, freedom of the uh, freedom of speech. Please, somebody stop us before we enlighten again. And since we can find all these concepts in today's Israel and virtually nowhere else in the Middle East, if anything, the world would be a better place if it had more Israels. Of course, this message falls on deaf ears to the current crop who reduce everything to being only victims or victimizers. So Israel is lumped in as the toxic fruit of the victimizing West, mm. which is all true. Yep. Yeah, it's... but and one more thing is and it goes uh, the irony being that all marginalized people live better today because of Western ideals, not in spite of them. Bill Maher, hmm. liberal as you can get, but he is right on every point he made there. Yep, um, as much as it kills me to say. <laughs> well, and and as as much as it. Is still very bothersome that he still has his liberal tendencies in a number of areas. Uh, and it makes me wonder, wow, I mean, is that the same guy that just said, you know, some whatever it might be, a, a major made a major point uh, that we agreed with uh, just a few weeks ago. And then all of a sudden, and I forget what it was recently, it's just a couple of weeks ago. But um, he has said this before, too. Uh, he... Uh, was talking, um, it was comedians in cars getting coffee. Talking about the absurdity of walking on eggshells when it came to terrorists. That 
you know, the left. And, and it's something where they really didn't delve into it much on that particular show. You know, it's Seinfeld talking to comedians. I'm not sure why he had Bill Maher on, but I guess he decided maybe a non-comedian would be good. Non-comedians in cars getting coffee. But those are the things that you look at over the years where, and we saw it, well, we have to be careful what we label the terrorists. Why? Are you afraid of offending a terrorist? Didn't uh, didn't Trump get in trouble one time because he called them animals? Uh, was it was animals it, was he that, called them or savages or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think so. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And that was during the 2016 season, campaign season, I think. Was it? Okay. I think so. It may have been after he was elected, but I think that was during the camp- that campaign season. But that's exactly... What what has happened? You know, we you know, you go back to something you mentioned earlier, and that's you know, the never forget nine nine eleven. Oh well, while we haven't forgotten it, we've forgotten what the dynamics were at that time. We've tried to change for some reason. Uh the the idea of of our enemy, how we describe our enemy. Okay, I think it came from Philip Bump's column, the Washington Post, May 17, 2018. Hmm. Trump's long history of referring to non-white groups he sees as dangerous as animals. Okay. Talking about terrorist right. suspects, yeah. terrorists yeah. who've done things, and murderers and things like that. Right. And so the whole point is he is a racist. He's a racist. Right. 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 No, yeah. but that's exactly where the left went. Well, we have to be careful what we call them. They're terrorists. They but, want us all dead. But go Hamas. Yeah. Now. Kill Jews. Oh, it, now it's full on with the left. They're marching in the streets in support of terrorists. I know. It's insane. I'm fully convinced if something were to happen, God forbid, if there's another attack on American soil, those same individuals are going to say we deserved it. Yeah. This just, is the insanity. It, it's a, it, it is it's just and it got more insane this weekend as we have, have said with right. with the you know Talib and mm-hmm. you know and then uh you know that more democrats you know calling for a ceasefire and Obama out there for a ceasefire and it's just like here we go. Right. And sorry there as you said from the very very beginning there is no gray area here. There isn't. No gray area. It's Look, radicals and the rest of right, the world. Right. There's there's the re- there's the normal rest of the world and there are there are people that are endorsing genocide. Yes. That includes former pre- President Obama right. and by his behavior of continuing to allow Iran to be funded mm-hmm. and his more movement towards the the uh, Good God, I don't know. It's a a, a humanitarian pause, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, nobody can figure out the difference between humanitarian pause and a ceasefire. It's a ceasefire. That's what they're calling for, full stop. Right. And as we've said, all right, tell us what you do afterwards. How do you solve the problem? What do you do? Right, right. What do you do? Right. What do you think that looks like? Well, did you see David Brooks from the New York Times? 
what, yeah. we, what we need to do is we need to get we need to get uh, basically an Arab led peacekeeping force uh, in Gaza. Who's going to lead that? You know who leads everything in Gaza? Hamas. Hamas. When he said that, and it was like, could you explain in further detail? And he couldn't. He's just trying to throw crap at the barn. Yeah. That's all right. he's trying to do. Right. right. They have no solution except right. except make Israel more vulnerable. Sorry. All bets were off when you murder 1,400 people and you behead babies. Yes. It's over. Yes. There is no negotiation at that point until you as a country believe that the threat is gone and disabled at the minimum for decades. Is anybody, you know, it's as if they believe Hamas will show up at the table to talk and say, okay, we'll, we'll no longer consider that to be part of our charter in eliminating all of Israel and all Jews from the planet. Yeah, you know what? We're rethinking that. That's what they want you to believe the Moss is going to show up because what they have done over and over, and this is Hamas controlling all this, they knew it was going to play out this way, is make it look like Hamas is being oppressed, that Israel is the bad guy. Yeah, what's the starting point on negotiations on that one? You going to change your charter? Why? No. Well, then we can't talk a negotiated settlement. Why is that? Because you've just said and your leaders have stated October 7th forever. Yes. So if your charter is, if your goal is to eradicate all Jews, where is the negotiating point to begin for Israel? There is no middle ground anywhere in any of this. None. Because Hamas has made that clear. Did you see that Susan Sarandon came out in favor of, you know, the Hamas? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't want to say pro-Palestinian because it's pro-Hamas. It is. Is what it is. It is. And then so did, uh, oh, what's his name? John Voight's daughter. Oh, uh, yeah. I used can't to be name, married to Brad Pitt. Angelina, Angelina Jolie. Yeah, Jolie. He, he went yeah, after thanks, her. Brian. He went after her publicly. Yeah, it's for, and, for, for, right. For it's you know those are but honestly, and they and they do this from their very safe perch, as if they believe that Hamas wouldn't come after them. Yeah, that's the thing. They'd be the first gone. We saw this after nine eleven. Here, we had. So many liberals acting as if, if they just, if if we just quit doing this, terrorists will go away. If we just do this, terrorists won't hate us. And they do that from the safety of the U.S., mm-hmm. from the safety of their elitist perch, their hugely high-dollar neighborhood where they have their own security, private security, where their children have private security when they go to their private schools. 
if they're so if they're so scared about think about this if democrats and these radical liberals are so scared of the republicans about wanting to destroy democracy to the point of paranoia how come there's no fear of hamas right because they face nothing from republicans right right there's nothing that's going to happen from republicans that going to stop to so if they have that unreasonable fear how come there seems to be no fear of what hamas did where it's it's almost as like the virtue signaling think about this it's almost Mm -hmm. like an arrogant Mm -hmm. virtue signal yeah yeah we are so arrogant we're going to virtue signal for this group because we're special and they would never touch us right what do you mean you'd be the first they'd murder absolutely absolutely hollywood Are you kidding me? Yeah. No, they have no regard for any person in the Western world. They want everyone dead. This is about power and has been all along, and they won't stop. I wish Hamas did not exist. I'm also grateful that Israel is working to that end as we speak. Mm-hmm. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up on the top of uh, the hour, we'll uh, tell you what James Comer had to say mm. about the uh, the Bidens and promises subpoenas coming for Joe and Hunter. Mm-hmm. Mm. And talked about what their next excuse would be, even though they have used it as an excuse already, which is the loans. But as you and I talked about those two checks being written, there's so many different questions that you have there. Uh, and as you and I talked about, you can only give as a gift 15000 a year to somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can't hide it by being alone. Right. And if you do that, you better put it on your taxes somewhere. You're going to have to demonstrate to right. the IRS. If, if you if you gave somebody 200000 and they they took that 200000 and at some point, James Biden put that in his account, a check from Joe Biden. Then that's going to and I don't know, I, I would assume a number of these items come with the uh, suspicious activity report, the SAR. And that's what that's what would have happened. The bank would have said, "Whoa, we don't. This is way over the 10,000 threshold. And. It should be explained. They often will ask the customer, what is this check? What what was it for? Was it business? Was it a loan? And if it was a loan, you want to avoid that tax by demonstrating to the IRS. And the giver, the donor, has to do that. That would have been on Joe. Mm-hmm. Show us that. All right. So when you transfer that kind of money... The IRS wants to know what that money is for. Yep. 
And if it's a and, lo- and if it's a loan, it has to be detailed out as a loan. And if there's no interest on it, if yeah. you're just giving somebody two hundred thousand and say, "Pay me back whenever you can," the IRS is going to be extremely suspicious that that isn't a gift of over fifteen thousand, right? Because they're going to look for repayment. And and with James sending the check to Joe, which we know happened, that's been documented. James would then also have to demonstrate this is repayment. I'm not giving a gift to my brother right. of two hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah b- both ways is right. Yep, that's right. Yep. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. All right. I, I did mention this before when we were talking about the situation in uh, in, in Israel mm. and what happened over the weekend, you know, Tlaib doubling down again, Obama getting involved in it, calling for a ceasefire. Yeah. And now it's like, well, what's the difference between a ceasefire and a you know, and and a hum, humanitarian uh, pause, and then the debate going on on the weekend. Well, wait a minute, humanitarian pause to what? Let out three hostages, right. and then you do that every week for the next year, right? So you're always in basically a a uh, uh, a a permanent humanitarian pause, right? Uh, and and the entire purpose would be from Hamas to disrupt the ability of Israel to kill Hamas, right? And, and where they could further plan right. gain. Uh, everything that they need to carry out more attacks. I mean, that's exactly what they want. It's what Hamas wants. And then that, then the other uh, the debate point came out. Well, wait a minute. I we're not even willing to talk until you release all the hostages. You're not going to bargain point by point and week by week and month by month right. with the hostages. And by the way, nobody has addressed that. That I have seen, maybe somebody did. I didn't see it to the administration or to Kirby or Corrine Jean Pierre. What would mm. you want? Right. I mean, why not demand that? Look, we're willing to, you know, even this point, we're willing to pressure Israel to start thinking about a negotiation. But you got to release everybody before we even attempt to do that. Right. Everybody must be released. Right. And you don't even get you don't even get to that particular point. But as you and I said, well, then what's the end end, end game? Cease fire. Then what? Then what? Because as Mike Johnson pointed out, Speaker of the House, there was a ceasefire. They broke it. Yep. October 7th, they right. broke it. There was a ceasefire. Nobody was fighting. Right. Then they committed a, a unspeakable act of, of of terror. And we all know what that was about. Mm-hmm. Well, they broke the ceasefire. Well, they did it. Now they're back. Ceasefire now. And then what? Humanitarian aid. And then what? And we've been asking, and then what? And then what? And then what? And then what? What do you do about the situation? Well, they and nobody, 
Nobody talks about what you do. And finally, somebody did. David mm. Brooks. Ah. Uh, and, and I mentioned it, but I want to read what he actually said. Okay. All right. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, at least it's an idea that won't work. He said, uh, he goes, uh, I think the Biden administration is doing the right thing. Long history of terror. Wars against terror organizations suggest the smart thing to do. Not uh, only the kind, also the humane thing to do is to separate the terrorists from the population. And so I think a series of pauses would be a sign that Israel is at war with Hamas. It's not at war with the population. Anybody who needs to know that knows that. It's not going to change anybody's mind, by the way. Right. And I would say we're going to take the, the steps we take, even if it might hurt us militarily to get the humanitarian relief in, to get uh, people able to move. Well, you're saying us. It's them. Yeah. United States. You're not asking United States troops. You're not asking United States troops to be hurt militarily because you wouldn't do that. Right. You're saying, well, if it causes soldiers on the Israeli side to be killed, well, that's the thing that you uh, wish wish to do. He goes, so I think it's the first thing. He goes, the second thing, the Biden administration is right, that a ceasefire would be the, a disaster. What's the difference? Right. What's the difference between a ceasefire and a, and, and I love when people have been trying to explain it this weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, a uh, a pause would be where you just get some of the hostages out. Well, you're not going to separate. This is the biggest falsehood here. You're not going to separate the population of the Palestinians from Hamas. Hamas no. isn't going to let that happen. No. So that's not going to happen. Oh, okay. Let's let's have a humanitarian pause. And this way we can separate the terrorists from the population. David Brooks, who has been around for ages, used to be a conservative, now with the New York Times, been around for decades with political analysis. That's crazy talk to separate the terrorists from the population. Hamas has been using the population yeah, exactly uh, all of this time. And we, we've we known this for years and years and years when uh, uh, close to a third of the missiles that they fire land on Palestinians. They don't care. They don't care about the rest of the population, only that they are in place so that Hamas can use them as a shield. That's you think Hamas is going to say, okay. We'll allow everyone who's not part of Hamas to leave and leave themselves wide open so Israel can take all of them out? Well, you know, no. The other thing is, I don't even know if Brooks understands he's implying this, but the terrorists uh, would, would know it immediately. You're making it sound like Israel is keeping the hostages from being released by fighting the war. Right. Good point. That Hamas would be releasing them yes. otherwise. Yes. And then he writes here, and then the third thing which the administration is thinking about is what comes after. And so that's a very tricky situation. Now listen to this. But somehow it can't be the U.S. side. It can't be Israel then, obviously. But somehow somebody has to organize probably an Arab-led intervention force to administer Gaza. And that force has to do counterterrorism which is going to be calling upon a lot of it because we don't want Israel to be doing the counterterrorism in Gaza after this. Mm-hmm. And so these are all the different ways you can separate the population from Hamas, and that's what 
That has to be the strategy here. Well, at least you came up with something that is never going to happen. It's not going to happen. You tell me what Arab nation is going to lead a counterterrorism force to fight Hamas in Gaza. Not going to happen. So it's like we're going to everyone pull- wants to talk about it and no one wants to talk about the implementation of it. Who would actually do yeah. that? You know who controls Gaza? Hamas. Right. Like Hamas is just going to let uh, uh, some I don't know who it is. Well, it might be like maybe, some group well, come in. Hezbollah. Maybe they could come in. Oh, and lead yeah, in, yes, you know? of course, because they're all about and humanitarian jo- efforts. And Jordan's right around the yeah, Jordan's yeah, right there. So I mean, they're exactly. they're prepared and ready and right. Um, uh, military. Maybe Iran can can work as a mediator. Yeah, you we'll t- just we'll have a we'll have a group based in Iran. Think Egypt's going to lead that one? Hmm. Think Egypt's going to lead? I mean, <laughs> yeah. They, Maybe. They, they don't. Yeah. They don't want refugees crossing their exactly. border. Exactly. You think Egypt's going to lead? Okay. All right. Is Egypt's going to lead the uh, the Arab force mm-hmm. led by whom? Right. If it's a multi nation force, who who leads it? Multi nation. Yeah, multi nation force. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you're going to do counterterrorism against mean, Hamas. Exactly. In Gaza, all those who have spoken out against Israel. Those nations? Yeah, you're delusional. David Brooks, stop doing drugs. Yeah. This explanation is your brain on drugs. Yeah. You should give it a break. I'm I'm reading this going, do they sit in their own delusional fairy tale world saying, well, we want everything to be nice, so if we could only do this, so this will justify, even though this will never happen, this will justify putting the pressure on Israel to have a ceasefire. We don't have all the things worked out. Well, who's going to work it out? If the United States can't have nothing to do with it, if Israel can't have anything to do with it, then who are you going to be responsible and who is the United States going to trust to actually go in, administer Gaza, which means they become the government of Gaza, they take it away from Hamas, and then they go to war with Hamas in order to kick Hamas out from leading the Palestinian people. You know who could do it? And they're already getting U.S. taxpayer money. The Taliban. You'd say or Iran. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned Iran before. Yeah, maybe, maybe uh, a multinational Afghanistan and Iran. So you'd have the Taliban and Iran. That's insanity. <laughs> That's stupidity. That's ignorance. And it's also arrogance. You sit from your perch as if they wouldn't take you out. You sit from your perch and and throw out a stupid idea that's never going to work. Why? Because you had a deadline? He did that on PBS with Mm, John. Okay. Well, it's still a deadline. I guess it would be. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I got to come up with some answer. You know, sometimes you know what the best answer is? Mm-hmm. I don't know, so Israel has to protect themselves. Israel has a right and, to defend and, themselves, and, and, and they and, need to eradicate and work to that right. effort every single day. They need to eradicate Hamas. Yeah, because I don't know of, I don't know of another answer. If somebody can give me another answer, that's fine. That's well, that's we were saying this last week. Else, give us an answer, and so 
I said that on Friday. Yeah. Nobody's given it. So Brooks gave an answer. So I said, let's see whether his answer is practical. No, it's completely and totally hypothetical and based on what substance or history that this could work out, especially when he says the Arab intervention would have to be a counterinsurgency against Hamas. And the goal would be that whatever this this group of Arab nations is would be going to war with Hamas, which mm-hmm. means they're going to war with Iran and yeah. And themselves. And, and themselves. Well, they figure it's the United States model, so well, with the Biden model, so well, why don't well, they? Well, that, that's it. <laughs> oh my God. Because, the, ah! because Hamas has set it up to make it look like that if you, if you support Palestinians, if you, if you ignore Hamas, you can just say you support Palestinians. Yes. They know that. Yes. Hamas has been using Palestinians as a cover for a long time. So what you're saying is you want the world, David Brooks, wants the world to acknowledge that Hamas is the problem and needs to be extinguished and then wants you to believe that a group composed of people from Arab nations is going to do it. Which Arab nation? Tell me which one. <laughs> which Arab nation? <laughs> I don't know. It's not going to happen. <laughs> but you can sit up there in your elite tower and come up with something delusional oh, yeah. without even exactly. thinking. Without even thinking it out. Well, I hope we could do possibly something like that. What we need is, well, you know, if uh, maybe no, a, I would love maybe an asteroid can hit in the next couple of weeks and solve all of our problems. No, I would love for for the Palestinians who are not Hamas, to separate themselves clearly as a group and say, we no longer accept this. But if it hasn't happened by now, it ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. 866-90-RED-EYE. Brought to you by Hotshot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. Drivers must always be prepared for a roadside inspection. This means drivers should always have their personal, vehicle, and company credentials organized and ready, and having any shipment paperwork, such as bills of lading or hazardous materials shipment emergency response information, organized and ready for the inspection official. Just an FYI, the top two violations written against drivers every year, as well as during Operation Road Check, are log general form and manner and log not current. Both are completely avoidable if the driver keeps the log accurate, compliant, and current at all times. Having the vehicle ready for inspection involves the driver conducting daily inspections and making sure any problems that are discovered are immediately corrected. Vehicle readiness also requires the company to make sure that the vehicle is current on all scheduled maintenance and that the maintenance schedule is adequate. This will make sure the driver is being given a sound vehicle to start with. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So that's the thing that you look for in anything when they tell you, okay, ceasefire, well, humanitarian 
pause, and then what? Yeah, what what do you expect yeah. is going to happen then? That that all of a sudden Hamas is going to abandon their charter and say, "Oh well, we had it wrong. We want to make peace." They've made it very clear, yeah, and have for a long time. But I'm sorry, but nobody wishes to get into the actual details because the details get quite messy and get quite impossible, which is what you see when David Brooks from the New York Times and, you know, and, and uh, you know, on his uh, on NPR, uh, PBS, PBS, uh, and PBS show was responding what needs to be done next, which would be a uh, an, an Arab movement to have a counterinsurgency against Hamas in Gaza. Well, you're just talking delusional things here. That's not going to happen. Tell me which country, Arab country leads that uh, group of nations or what nation decides that we're going to wipe out. Because that's what you'd have to do. Yeah. You're talking about. Officially. David Brooks is talking about you would have to have an Arab, some kind of Arab league. Yeah. Military mm-hmm. counterinsurgency. Right. To separate the Palestinians from Hamas. So you can kill Hamas yeah. and keep the Palestinians safe. Give me that list of Arab nations yeah. that's going to fund it and officially take that position and carry that out in Gaza. If you believe that can happen, you're smoking weed or crack or both. You're delusional. You should be working in the White House. Exactly. That's where you belong. <laughs> That's where the good stuff is. There's Coke just laying around. Um, <laughs> just laying, laying around. But I mean, I mean, I'm just, I'm shaking my head going, so that's your suggestion. It's almost like I'm going to sit up on my, 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 my perch here, my elitist perch, mm-hmm. and with my arrogance propose something that's completely and totally delusional because yeah. I got to fill 30 minutes or however long that program is right. on on uh, uh, PBS. Yeah. Well, that's just delusional. You know, it's not ha- going to happen. Hamas didn't just come together. They're they're not new. Oh, okay, so Iran has agreed to lead the force yeah. of the counterinsurgency right, right. against Hamas. If this were going to happen, it would have happened already. It would have happened before October 7th. It's not going to happen. Again, when nearly a third of the rockets fired by Hamas in Gaza land on Palestinians. When you look at that, if that effect alone didn't cause an uprising by Palestinians and, you know, for David Brooks argument or idea, we'll throw in other Arab nations then it's never going to. It's not. It's not going to change because they support Hamas. They see Hamas as the, this is why they're funded by (laughs) countries like Iran. They see Hamas as their army to do what they also wish, and that is to eradicate all Jews. If you don't get that, you are not paying attention. You're delusional. And, and if you believe that, well, look, we need to go in with the if we if we have uh, a Arab coalition that goes in, 
but not to protect Israel, but to protect the Palestinians, which means they need to separate Hamas from the Palestinians and go to war with Hamas to separate them from the Palestinians, Mm -hmm. that if another force goes in and declares war on Hamas, which in essence would be declaring war on Iran in the Middle East, well, then as long as you're attacking Hamas and killing Hamas, for the right reasons, right? Because you're just sort of leaving Israel out of it, even though you're technically still supporting Israel's security by doing this. They won't figure that out, right? Right. Wow. <laughs> My God. My God. Oh, jeez. You're delusional. It's completely delusional. Insanity. Consider yourself canceled if you don't listen nightly. Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Cronin. I'm Gary McNamara. Right before the uh, break, I when I said Hezbollah, I said Jordan. I meant Lebanon. Oh, so just yep. <laughs> I, wanted, yep. I wanted to clear I, that. I thought you yeah. were throwing in Jordan on top of Lebanon, and I didn't. I thought you were going somewhere else. No, it, so I didn't. no, no. I just, yeah. I just, okay. I just for you know. Uh, I'm going to use the excuse it's early in the morning and nobody should be forced to work a talk show this early and I'm a victim. Ah, well, it's like our boss says, nothing good happens after midnight. <laughs> Except on Red Eye Radio. Not so. what he said. Um, yeah, and that, I'm just, just look. I was looking at some of the headlines uh, out there. It's, you know, the uh, Hindu Times. If Hezbollah attacks Israel, U.S. prepared to intervene militarily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Israeli jets hit Lebanon as Hezbollah fires more powerful missiles. Yeah, so you know that could go there. But like I said, that the uh, the redi- nobody's willing to say, all right, if uh, there's a ceasefire, what do you do then? Right. What happens? Right. What do you, what do, you do? I mean, nobody, how, how nobody do you has envision a- that working? Yeah. Because what you're trying to say is that there is a what you're implying, wrongfully implying, is. That there is a middle ground for Hamas. That Hamas wants a negotiated settlement uh, that, uh, well, I mean, we we know the charter is to eradicate Israel. So what do they negotiate? Eradicate half of Israel? Right. Kill all the Jews. No, just kill a quarter of, of them. Right. What's what's the nego- I, and I know this sounds ridiculous, folks, but you have to you have to break it down to show how asinine these people are. Well, it it, it implies again that there's some kind of middle ground, yeah, from Hamas's standpoint. And the fact of the matter is, there isn't. There is no middle ground. No, they have said we want to eradicate all Jews. Negotiating and, but, point, but, but when Israel says we want to eradicate Hamas. Whoa! Genocide is acceptable as long as you know you you know you don't 
I, I just don't know where I don't know where you you write the rules. I don't know who's <laughs> you know where's no no I know show you, me you, you know the, you, you get you get mind fry well, when you're trying to figure out how the left thinks. It's, yeah, no, it's, it's, just, it's like yeah. it's like me in high school with certain <laughs> things. You know where you you're forced to read. Some stand-up comedian made the joke. You know those kids who read when they don't have to. Those annoying kids <laughs> who like to read. But I, you know, it, it's like me starting, you know, my homework, you know, and believing, oh well, I'm going to get this done in time. I'm going to I'm going to finish this, and this is how this is all going to play out. No. It was nonsense. I was delusional if I thought I was going to start my homework and not start it at the very last minute, as I always did. And if you look at this situation with Hamas, it's like they're sitting down and going, well, you know, if we just did. And then they don't finish the sentence. They don't complete the entire task. David Brooks line something out here that is never going to happen because it implies that you could get, I don't know, who are these Arab nations that are going to fund and also uh, supply with both, both humans and equipment and weapons to overtake Hamas and eradicate Hamas? Well, and, and lose their own soldiers right lose their own soldiers to go to war with hamas that's a proxy of iran right Uh, (laughs) afghanistan (laughs) tell me which arab nations are you believe are going to be fully on board because my next question would be then why haven't they done that why didn't they do it years ago why aren't they protecting Palestinians who are killed by the very rockets that Hamas sends from Gaza? That land in Gaza. Yeah, just so uh, Afghanistan's not Middle East or Arab there. Right, but I mean, yeah, if you, if I, you, I understand. If you right. look if at it, yeah, if, but, if, you're, if you're looking anywhere in the area, you're just I know I understand what you're throwing. Right, up, but it's it's going to it's going to be well. That's why actually right. why I brought them up. Because you could say it doesn't it doesn't belong, right? Because the Taliban is neutral. That's my whole point. Right. You're gonna have a neutral nation like Afghanistan? Is that who's gonna do this? Uh you might as well say Iran is neutral. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, well, it's ridiculous. And that's why, again, they just throw out humanitarian pause, uh, cease fire. Then what? Then what? And what's, what do you, what do you do then? Right. Nobody has, nobody has an answer. I'm not trying to find an answer because I don't believe there is an answer. The only answer you have is if you're Israel is we do what we need to do to ensure that how, because you're not going to get rid of Islamic uh terrorism no islamic no. fundamentalism terrorism you're not going to get rid of it but what you do is you try to delay it by putting 
so much harm and where you destroy every single part of the leadership, the soldiers, whatever, their yeah. complete and total infrastructure. You clean it all out in order to not have that threat at your border that serious for decades to come. That's well, what well, you well, that's what me, you do. Tell me what list of nations outside the US I'm not even convinced the US would do it right now politically with this administration. But tell me what list of nations would do that. I mean, wouldn't it make sense that they would be calling for it? That after October 7th if you don't have a brutal demonstration, if you don't see it after October 7th, which was the most brutal of demonstration as to who Hamas is. If you didn't have an uprising in those nations calling for the eradication of Hamas, then why, David Brooks, do you think you came up with an idea and they just haven't thought of it? And, you know, he couched the whole thing. They don't want it. Yeah, he couched the whole thing in certain words by saying the goal is, you know, to separate Hamas. The goal would be to separate Hamas from the Palestinian uh, people, so you'd need a counterinsurgency. What you're saying is you're taking away Hamas controls Gaza. Right. So you're taking the people away. You're, you're basically saying you're not going to control this anymore, which is the exact same thing that Israel is attempting to do. Right. But But if... And a multi-Arab force comes in to go after Hamas. Hamas is just going to sit there and go, oh, okay, we're willing to give up our complete authority over Gaza. You get complete authority, and the Palestinian people are free to have a self-determining government. Well, and and what tell mean? me, and also tell me that, so the Arab nations that are part of it then form this group. They're going to go in, and there's not going to be a reaction by the other Arab nations who aren't part of it? Like a, like Iran? Right. Who wants to be the country that does this and goes up against Iran? You want to talk about a massive war on all fronts? Yeah. Saudi Arabia? I don't think so. No. They're, they're, because that's, that's the whole point. Turkey? There, I don't think so. There is no neutrality here. Iraq? That's what it all implies. I don't think so. No. Right, exactly, yeah. There is no neutrality. None. There are two sides. And this idea of eradicating Hamas is left only to Israel. They're the only ones who are going to do it. And the reason is, is because they understand the threat. They under, they, they have seen their people they lived, slaughtered. Yeah, they lived and died the threat. The rest of the world, you look at, and, 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 and this ridiculous idea of getting a, a, a list of Arab nations or even neutral nations. Tell me neutral. Show me neutral. That can't have anything to do with the United States. Right, exactly. Well, you tell That's, me. Which is you tell me premise. But, but you tell me any peacekeeping force. Yeah. <laughs> well, where would that, that has, be? That has credibility and, and actual force that isn't led by the United States. Right. 
Yeah, not even the Taliban could do it because they're getting U.S. taxpayer dollars. <laughs> so yeah. they can't be involved. They're out. No. I mean, it's insane. I know. And that's why I thought it was important to look. At least, at least he's, at least he's trying to put David Brooks for the New York Times trying to put something out there on uh, you know, when he was on the PBS show over the because weekend. Because you know why? But, but still, it's it's a dumb, it's a dumb, ridiculous idea that had no thought into it at all before he said Be- it. Because what we have said from the beginning is a very harsh reality. There are the radicals and everyone else. There are only two sides to this. There is no neutrality. There is no neutral zone here. There isn't. No. You can be neutral in Western society. You can't be neutral to Hamas. There is there is no neutrality in that war. None. There is no middle oh, ground. Well, the Arab coalition's coming in to kill us and get rid of us and separate us from the Palestinian people. Okay, we're all for that one. Right. Boy, that David Brooks, he sure came up with a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> Hamas is well-funded. They're funded by Iran. They're going to be funded. They're going to continue to be funded because Iran has, a, has access to the global marketplace when it comes to selling their oil. Tens of billions of dollars every year. And they can fund Hamas for a long time. Lebanon with, with Hezbollah. Yep. For a long time. Yeah. With that oil money. And Israel should just stand down, according to the left. So is this the week that the president calls for a ceasefire? Actually uses the term? He's going to have to use stronger language politically because the far left isn't going to let him well, because, get away with because it Well, because the story of the Hindu Times saying that, you know, that the United States, the report, the United States will use military action against Hezbollah if mm-hmm. they if uh, they attack Israel. Now, they've been attacking Israel, but does that mean if they invade? Does that mean air power? What does right. that mean? Right. Right. Jeez, what a mess. No, I mean, and Israel isn't going to. Uh, they have to do everything they can do to eradicate this threat. It won't stop. So, yeah, you're going to see more and more of the radicals calling for, I don't know what is next, I guess, full-on ceasefire. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. Oh, so Comer was asked the question uh, over the weekend. James Comer, who's investigating Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and all the uh, the possible the uh, alleged um, the alleged charges of wrongdoing, influence peddling, and maybe even more. Hmm. It looks like they're heading towards tax violations, which we always said was probably the biggest problem. If there was a problem out there. Where you would most likely get, yeah, uh, a a politician's family 
you know, a bribe has to be really, really, you know, has to be super solid where you have the quid pro quo. You've got the you've got the actual evidence. You've got them stating that this is what we're going to do for this. That's hard to get. As we always said, what's easier to get is the tax violations. And we'll get some of the specifics because he was asked, you're going to do subpoenas on everybody? And he said, yes, and it's coming soon. So we'll have all that Mm. coming for you. But Mm. just when you look at it now, you and I were just talking about a little while ago on the air. Yeah. When we were uh, prefacing, we're going to be talking about this. And when you look at just the gift-giving thing, the gift-giving regulations of the IRS. Right. I think you can only give somebody $17,000 a year. Yeah, this year it's 17. Right. And so But if you give them 16, if it's over 9,000, it's it's going to be marked. You well, make, that's it. You, if they deposit 16 in the bank, whoever you gave that to, then the bank is likely going to earmark that, you know, as a suspicious activity and yep. they're going to ask about it. So you have to have some notations about it. Yep. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Every story eventually comes to an end. This June, hear the final episode of Season 2 of the hit podcast series, In the Red Clay, Durham. In the Red Clay tells the unbelievable true story of Billy Sunday Burt, the most dangerous man in Georgia history. In the podcast that people are calling riveting, incredibly moving, captivating, and addicting. Binge seasons one and two of In the Red Clay now, wherever you listen. Hey guys, welcome to the Candy Valentino Show. I'm Candy Valentino. I was a founder before I could legally order a drink. And for more than two and a half decades, I've built, scaled, acquired, and exited multiple businesses in diverse industries. Now my goal is to help you by sharing the knowledge that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, and the wisdom that I've developed over my journey. Bi-weekly episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Candy Valentino Show, wherever you listen.